0: So, whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go
1: to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center, from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Decker, And at guard, from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller.
0: Welcome back to Dave and Dia of Blazers Edge Podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It's Tuesday, and we have just lost to the Pelicans, which is a rough. It's a rough one. Um, I'm in Vegas right now, so I am not recording from where I normally do. So hopefully my audio is still okay and you'll know why it's not if there are problems. Uh, Dave, how are you?
1: Well, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas unless you podcast about it. Is there anything interesting going on with you there?
0: No, I was out here because of the G League showcase uh, that's happening here, but ended up kind of having a little bit of a vacation and it's been nice. I'm I'm headed back home tomorrow. So that's good. The G League right now is, is blowing up with all these guys coming up and filling in in the NBA and, and taking roster spots as, as the regular guys are, you know, going out with COVID and all that stuff. It's, so that G League is getting more and more, you know, we're, we're going to start recognizing those names a little bit more, I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a big opportunity for a lot of people. Uh, Of course, we wish that uh, COVID wasn't happening, but it's sweeping the league. It feels like, I don't know, they're trying to hold on through Christmas, but it's weird because uh, you're not going to get your Christmas games, even if the, the... Team names are the same. It's like you, you wanted a brand new TV and you're going to get a Magnavorks or a, you, wanted a, <laughs> you wanted that tablet, but it's not going to be an iPad. You're not going to get the iPad version of the Nets. You're going to get the cheap Android knockoff that was $39 uh, Black Friday on Best Buy or something. Uh, but the upside of it is just what you said. For a lot of players, this will be a chance to make an impression. Now, most of them won't stick but you never know when you're going to be that guy. So I imagine there's pretty bubbling excitement going on in some quarters. Let's hope, first of all, everybody stays safe and healthy. But then let's also hope that some of these G League guys get a chance to actually stick.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. I hate that narrative. I hate this whole, like, it's not as good as the other one. Like, I understand that they're playing in the G League. But the G League is, is if you've ever watched G League basketball, It is solid quality basketball. The fact is, there's just not room in the NBA for everyone who is an NBA caliber player. And so there's these guys playing in the G League that are fantastic. They are so good. And a lot of these guys are going to come in and it's going to be really good basketball. There are names in the G League that I think people would be surprised, or I mean in the NBA that I think people would be surprised to know spent significant time in the G League first. So I, I get that there are superstars and things like that that people tune in just to watch them. You know, if, if LeBron James isn't playing, there are people who aren't going to watch the Lakers. If Damian Lillard isn't playing, there are people who aren't going to watch the Blazers. But for people who are just concerned about good basketball, that's going to continue even bringing these guys up. I don't think we're going to see the the quality of basketball Diminish. I think it's still going to be great. I think they're going to be great games. I think it's going to be a great opportunity to see some talent that we haven't seen before. And, you know, I think it's going to be really, really fun. One of the guys that is on, you know, the Clippers G League is one that I shoot regularly. And one of the guys that's on the Clippers G League is Harry Giles, who a lot of Blazer fans are familiar with and and have watched played. And he's there right now. And so, you know, that just goes to show that, like, there's a lot of really good talent there.
1: Well, here's why the narrative matters, though, in this case, because the NBA might be holding on for Christmas, because Christmas is the unofficial start of the NBA season in the public consciousness, but also the highest grossing single day of the regular season all year. And that's riding on the back of marquee matchups. That's This is why. Uh, and... If you don't have the marquee matchups, there's not a reason to wait for Christmas. There is a narrative that says if this were February and not right before December 25th, that the precautions or the steps that the league is taking might be stronger. That may not be true. That's total speculation. But you can't divorce the December 25th date from the league's response entirely and you can't divorce the December 25th date from the stars that usually inhabit it. And where there is not one, maybe there's not a reason for the other. But that said, all we know is we're going forward and there are going to be five games played on Christmas. And let's see what happens after. We know the NBA is having new protocols with masks and testing uh, beginning December 26th, which is probably not coincidental. And then uh, we'll see if it has to get more severe. As always, I mean, I always encourage people, get vaccinated, wear masks, come on. We want to have to not worry about this someday. And obviously, we're having to worry about it again and again and again. We're not confident right now that this season isn't going to be suspended or go back into a bubble or do whatever. I don't think we're close to that yet. But if those numbers keep rising, the effects are severe enough, they're not going to have a, a lot of choice. So if you love the sport, do everything you can to preserve it.
0: Yeah, I don't think we'll ever go back to a bubble situation. I mean, outside of a specialty kind of thing, like an all-star situation or a you know tournament kind of thing, I don't think we're going to go back to a bubble situation. The players didn't seem to love it, and so I don't think the NBPA is going to be on board with it. Adam Silver just got up today and, and had a whole interview, I think with Malika Andrews, I want to say, um, and said that, you know, they're they're not planning to, su- there's no plans to suspend at this point. He went on to say that basically we have to adjust that this virus isn't going away and we just have to adjust um, and learn to live with it. And so I don't think that we are probably going to see a situation in which we go back into a bubble. I personally think that part of learning to live with it and part of adjusting is building in the possibility of taking a two-week break if there's an outbreak. You know, if there's an outbreak in the NBA like we're currently having, then take two weeks off, get it all under control and restart. We don't have to go into a bubble. We don't have to take months off, but take a break and get everybody healthy and then start it back up again. Um, They are putting, you know, the protocols in place for for calling guys up. So if you have – If you have if now the new protocols are if a team has two players that are that test positive, you have to call a player up. If you have three players, you have to call two players up. If you have four players, you have to call three up and so on and so forth. And I'm assuming that this is essentially to keep us from having to postpone games, Mm -hmm. Um, They don't want to have to do that. So they're putting this in place. They're also taking off the, um, typically with a two-way player, there's only, they can only play 50 games, I believe it is. And so they're taking that restriction off and now two-way players can play as many games as a team needs them to play. So they are doing some things like that that are going to hopefully, I, I assume, keep from postponing games. Um, but I right. do think that it would make sense to have some kind of thing in place that if we hit this percentage of players that are in in protocols we you know we stop the league for a week or two weeks or whatever it is to kind of get everybody healthy again um but i don't I don't think I don't see it going to a bubble situation again. I would be shocked if that happened.
1: I tend to agree with you, I think for the same reason that the players association would refuse, although I could maybe see playoffs. But they're not gonna yeah. stretch that into, you know, months and months. Uh
0: yeah. And and it would it, makes, it would make sense for playoffs because right. it's a short term thing and obviously teams want their best possible players available for that. So they're gonna be willing to do some things like that a little bit more readily, I would think. Yeah, um, I mean there's no replacing
1: Raiders- LeBron James in a seven game series. I mean, it's not you can't call up a, a G League player and then you know, <laughs> that's that's not the same and it will affect everything. So yeah, maybe that. But also part of the reason that they're that they've created the rules, I think, is to prevent uh gaming the system. So you have X number of players on COVID, but then you also have X number of potential injuries that aren't COVID where players are questionable or doubtful or whatever. And you could technically say, Okay, we've got three in protocols or let's say five, we got five in protocols. And if we don't want to play this game without them, we just tell our three questionable players that they're, you know, we list them as out. Uh, And of course there's no way to sensibly argue with that because you don't want to force injured players to play. So I think that they're just ensuring you're right. It's about postponement, but they're also ensuring uniformity throughout the league uh, and as a result, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets are about to call up 92 players. I mean, that's that's about what's going to happen here. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully this will be resolved. But we've been saying that for two and a half years now, or two years anyway. So I'm so tired. <laughs> I mean, I think we all are.
0: Yeah, we all are. It's exhausting. And And, you know, I was having a conversation about this today that it's – was somebody said something along the lines of, are we just going to wear masks forever? And it was like, I mean eventually we, we don't know what's going to happen, but at this point, like we just kind of have to look at this as a way of life right now. This is where things are. And, you know, we've found ways around it. We're still able to go out and live our lives and do the things, a lot of the things, most of the things that we used to do, there are just stipulations around that. And I, you know, I, I think it's livable. You know, I'm in Las Vegas right now and Um, I'm wearing a mask. Most places you have to, um, if I'm outside, I don't really, but if I'm inside, I'm wearing a mask and that's tolerable. You know, if I sit down to eat something, I take it off. I'm cautious of how many people I'm around. It's tolerable. It's, it's livable. You can still live your life and do those things. It's not asking a lot to, to ask people to wear a mask and and be safe in those situations but i think we have to acknowledge the fact and i think it makes it easier to deal with too if you just acknowledge the fact that this is this is just a way of life right now and yeah maybe we'll get past it and maybe we'll get over it and maybe it'll change i think you know i mean i could go into all the things that i think but i think overall we just have to assume that right now this is where we're at. And we have to, he's right in the sense that this isn't just going to completely go away anytime soon. So we've got to figure out how to work around it for now. And I think that there are ways to do that if people just be consistent about it and do it.
1: Well, it's mitigating, right? It's the same thing with the league. You know, people are going to go in health and safety protocols. You don't, don't want everybody to go all at once or there's no league, right? Well, it's the same with us, except for it's not a league, it's hospitals, you know, uh, your your mask at least might stagger out some of the levels of infections if everybody's uh, diligent about it so that we don't flood the hospitals, which then, I mean, I'm really conscious of this. I mean, I have two kids. I'm their only dad. Uh, if I have a heart attack, God forbid, and I can't get into the hospital because they are flooded with COVID patients That's an issue, and my kids pay for that, and I'm well aware of that uh, for myself and for everybody else, and so I wear a mask. Not that I'm not going to get COVID. I might. I don't know. I don't even know what it would do to me, but that is only one quarter, 25% of the point. The rest of the point is I want that bed to be available for you uh, when it's needed, so we kind of mitigate and stagger out the cases anyway. There we go. That's COVID. I mean, it's it's unavoidable when talking about the league right now. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised. It just came and, like a tornado.
0: And one more point to that. I think it's really easy to forget that this time of year is cold and flu season. So I know that COVID is not the cold or flu, and I am not trying to minimize it at all. But I think there's a reason that this time of year is cold and flu season. And, and it makes sense that COVID would amp back up at this time of year again, you know, the way that germs and things work and spread and whatever, it makes sense that this is happening right now. It's not just in the NBA, it's happening outside of that as well. So again, just a reminder to everybody to be safe, do what you can, you know, to protect you and and those that you love and, you know, be safe. It's tough.
1: Speaking of tough in a very different vein. Well, I mean, I suppose we have a two and two week to talk about, right? We're back to safe ground now. Since we last talked, wasn't it Grizzlies, Hornets, Grizzlies, Pelicans? Is that correct?
0: Uh, it's, we lost to the Grizzlies, then we beat the Hornets, then we beat the Grizzlies, then we lost to the Pelicans.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Pelicans' loss was roster. I mean, uh, first of all, no CJ McCollum. The Blazers had real trouble generating offense when Damian Lillard wasn't firing. And by the way, I guess that's where we should start. How about Damian Lillard? Sl- what slump? Yeah. Now, uh, caveat, some of those big point productions have been a little bit inefficient yet, but basically Lillard is carrying the Blazers again, maybe not quite with all the altitude and and engine power that he did uh, once upon a time, but it's there, and he scored 39 tonight against the Pelicans, and when he wasn't scoring, the Blazers for the most part weren't scoring. They went to Yusuf Nurkic, and he did okay, but again, that slows things down so much that you look, and Yusuf Nurkic has, like, like 3 or 4 great possessions and the Blazers have 5 points. Damian Lillard has 3 or 4 great possessions and the Blazers have 15. Okay. Right. So, I mean it's it's not and that's not and also the 15 points came in the same time frame as the as the 5 points, which is the which is the issue, right? That it, the Blazers just play faster uh a little bit with with Dame and the offense comes from more points. So, the the number one alternative without McCollum there is is good, but changes things. Norman Powell also did okay, but really defensively, oh boy, did the Pelicans explode the Blazers because Brandon Ingram was bigger than everybody else out there. I mean, there's nobody, anyone Ingram's size that the Blazers put on him was too slow and then anyone that was quick enough was too short and Ingram exploited that and from that, um, you yeah, got uh Walker, Alexander Walker, who just went Crazy in the second half, and you had two uncontrolled scoring sources. Even if Lillard was an uncontrolled scoring source for the Blazers, two beat one, and there you go. And that's just the reality of where the roster is right now. And it's less you used to like you judge the the Blazers a good enough team to beat this other team based on how good that other team is better than or worse than the Blazers. That doesn't literally doesn't apply right now. It's right. how do the Blazers match up? How, how do the Blazers avoid getting exploited? And if they can avoid getting exploited and hit a couple shots, they're going to win. But if another team can exploit the Blazers, there's not a lot that Portland could do to stop it.
0: Yeah. We're just in a really weird place right now. And it. it I keep going back to, to Nerkich. I'm struggling with him right now if I'm being honest and I I always hesitate to speak negatively about a player even even performance wise I try to find the positive but I'm really frustrated with Nurkic he just it just feels like he's given up and like he doesn't want to be there and I I can't quite put a finger on what it is but it just feels like Nurkic has checked out because he's a better player than what he's playing and I I just feel like something's missing there. And I don't know what it is, but it's incredibly frustrating to watch. And I watched tonight, you know, you watch, and again, it's, I struggle to compare players too, but you watch Nurkic compared to like Larry Nance Jr. who's moving all over the place and, and playing hard and, and working at it. And then it just doesn't feel like Nurk is, is putting in that much effort. And I don't know, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe he is and I'm just missing it. But man, it's it's frustrating because Nurk is such, we talk about this all the time, but Nurk can be such a difference maker. And when we're essentially playing a team full of guys that are, you know, 6'3 and under, you know, maybe Robert Covington, who's what, 6'6? Six, six, and then you have Nurkic, like you need Nurkic to play. You need him to be... Good, really good. And so when he's not, or when the effort doesn't seem to be there, it makes a dramatic difference.
1: I, I'm going to disagree a little bit about the effort. I, he was clearly putting an effort tonight against the Pelicans. I mean he was, <laughs> he was shoving around players like he was Shack there for a while. And I think that's always there when he gets the ball centered on him an offense. And to be fair, it's usually there when he's setting picks too. Um, I think he has turned a leaf in that sense that, okay, some games are going to be more centered on him, some aren't, but I see him actually running the offense pretty well either way. And that's something that I've not always seen from Nurkic. So uh, to me, that's there. The trick is what's happening defensively. Now, I think there were plays earlier in the season where I agreed with you more but yeah. I've evolved my position a little bit. I think it's still there, but I just do not think this system is Nurkic friendly. I just don't, I think he ends up in no man's land, not because he's not giving effort, but because he's slower than Larry Nance Jr. And when he's out there, he can't get back. And so it looks like he's stuck in the middle. And what really happens is the play develops too fast for him to catch up to.
0: I should have maybe specified that. I'm specifically talking about on defense. I watched his defense and, and it just felt like I mean, there were times, there were a couple of times where I specifically watched him and he just stood there with his arms at his sides. And it's like, I, I mean, this is the age old thing that I always say, like, just, I used to say this about Whiteside. I used to get so frustrated with him. This is like, you're seven feet tall. Just put your arms up. Like, even if you don't do anything else defensively, put your arms up in the air and it will make a difference sometimes, like. And, and I think that's where I, I, the frustration lies. I, I agree with you overall. I still feel like we're not seeing the extent of what we could from him. But I do I do agree with what you're saying. I, I should have clarified that that really for me, at least tonight, the struggle seemed to be defensively. But maybe, I mean, I think what you're saying could be accurate as well. I don't know. It just seems to me like something is off and I can't put a finger on it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know why? Okay. Because people are like, derp, derp. Terry Stotts is so stupid. He has the centers go back, you know, ice go into the lane against picks. And that's just not working. And the Blazers need a new system. Well, why did Terry Stotts do that? It's because, you know, you you got bananas. What are you going to make? You're going to make banana bread. I mean, what do you make out of bananas? Like name me something else. I guess banana pudding, but you got, you got some variation on bananas. You, you cannot make lemon meringue pie out of bananas. It doesn't work. And if you try, what you're going to end up with is some hybrid something, which is really neither. And that's what it feels like where Nurk kind of is right now. Now, again, part of this could be, is he in great shape? Uh, part of this could also be retroactive stuff from injuries. It shouldn't be age at this point. But you know what? His body's been through a lot. I think there's a weird... And the weirdness that you're talking about is just maybe that it's not one factor. It's kind of an amalgam of all these little things that are coming together to make it look like, ah, uh, these these things are not blending. It's not that the recipe isn't right for him Uh, individually, and the recipe might not be right for him and this roster. It's, It's hard to avoid that impression, but I also want to say that Nurkic is actually playing well. I mean, in most years, I think if the team were constructed differently around him, we'd be going, this is pretty good. But it's not pretty good in context.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. But either way, we're at least a little bit better off this week Having one, two, and lost two, we're back to where we were 50 percent. It's not, it's not what I'd like to be, but it's not four losses. So that's and one of those was on the road. Yeah, one of our two road wins that we have so far. It's Revenge really against I, the Grizz. I was sitting downstairs uh, watching. You know in that they have these areas called Sportsbook in Vegas and all the hotels that have just all the TVs, you can watch all the different games. I'm not one that bets on games, but I enjoy going down and watching all the games. And so, I was sitting down there tonight, and there was a group of guys behind me that you know was cheering for the Blazers. And I turned around at one point, I said, Are you Blazers fans? And he said, No, but I've got money on them. And I, I started laughing and I said, You bet on the Blazers on the road? And he said, Yeah, I said, You're right, you're not a Blazers fan. <laughs> Is <laughs> like you. This is. I mean, if if we're making bets, if we're placing bets, probably the Blazers on the road this far this season is not the bet to take. There's a million other teams. Maybe go with one of those.
1: And this is why, folks, Dia will end up in the desert <laughs> under the, <laughs> under a mound, <laughs> telling random strangers say, but Wow. I,
0: can't, I. I. This is. This is actually. So as positive as I am overall and especially on, you know, social media and things like that, and even on our podcast and talking about that, you put me in a bar with a bunch of fans, and I turn into a monster. Uh-oh. I can't – this is just – I have gotten into, f- like, not physical fights, but verbal fights with Laker fans uh, in L.A. I, I just it's, – it's an experience watching sports with me in, in a sports bar where there are other fans. It is, uh, it is an experience. We'll just say that
1: oh, we've, we've got to do this at some point. Oh, we should take Danny, too. <laughs> it would be like Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli walking into the <laughs> R- Rohan or wherever. It's like, yeah, uh, you don't want to mess with that. But, you know, here's what gets me, Dia. Here's what's tough. You look at the standings right now. In 13 and 19, you understand it with the injuries and the seven-game losing streak and all that. You understand. They're going to be 13 and 19. You're not surprised by that. Utah's leading the Northwest, 21-9. and I mean, that's huge. You're not terribly surprised by that either. That's okay. But Denver's barely above 500. And you're like going, you know, that spot's there. Not that the division standings matter, but, you know, these are your cousins. These are the people you measure yourself against. And Minnesota's about at 500. I mean, it's not like the Blazers would have to be great to be making a difference now. I mean, good. I mean, good with a thumbs-up kind of good would be all right but instead they're nine games away from Utah and there are only one and a half games North of Oklahoma city who trails the division. I mean, they're, they're, they're closer to Oklahoma city than they are to anyone else above them. That hurts. It's just, there's something viscerally painful about that. And it's nothing against Oklahoma city, but you know, going into Oklahoma city, you were going lottery team. They're a lottery team. They're, they're not a lot, only a lottery team. They're like, among the favorites, favorites were a number one pick. I mean, they're just, they're dismantling. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in the bottom of their cycle to get good picks. And the Blazers are like at the apex of their cycle. And the Blazers are right there with the thunder. And it's like, that can't happen. It just can't. Now, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. There's no explanation that covers that. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I something is. We keep saying something's got to change. Let's not say that again. We should retire that phrase. But this is the reality of where the Blazers are right now. And no matter how much noise you make and how much analysis you do, that's the reality. They're thirteen and nineteen in a season where five hundred makes you good, and they can't even get there.
0: That being said, there's a lot of conversations that are being had that I think are worth talking about here. One of those um, are some comments that. Came out, I, and I want to get to Dame and his conversations with the media. Uh, that's going to be a conversation. Um, but first, I want to say there there was a, a statement that he made, basically saying, "Look, everybody's basically what you're saying that nobody's really doing that." There's a lot of teams that are really struggling at this point. Um, there's a lot of teams that are having problems, you know, teams are having all kinds of issues, but then he goes on to say, but what we're not going to be is, is we're not going to fold. We're not going to give up. And I always appreciate that about him. You know, around this time in a season, you start hearing people talking about, well, maybe we should just tank. And I never, I, I get it. I understand why they do it. I, I understand the reasoning behind it, but I can't. I can't handle it. I don't, I do not want to be a team that tanks. And so I always appreciate Dane coming out and saying, you know, regardless of the fact that we're struggling, regardless of the fact that we have injuries, regardless of whatever, we're not going to fold. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep working at it. And they do. They come out night after night after night and they fight. And, and for the most part, we see that in them. We see that they have fight, even when it doesn't fully pull together, you know, they're not giving up. And I can appreciate that.
1: You talked to Damian Lillard about tanking, and he's going to crumple you up like a wad of paper and shoot free throws with you in the waste, waste basket. It's I just
0: that about him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, you can't... This is where I would find his comments appropriate. If somebody uh, mentioned that to him, hey, you should tank. This is where I feel like, do you know what I've done here? Do you know what I've given up to be here? Yeah. You're you're tanking a season with me on your team? Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, 100%. Dame's exact comments that he made about the media, which we'll get to in a minute, should be copy-pasted into this discussion about tanking or losing or whatever. There's the appropriate venue for them, and uh, I think that he would be exactly right. That you, and, and especially, okay, look, I've already said in a post that there are three roads f- ahead for Portland, and one of them might involve not Dame long-term and rebuilding, uh, and might even involve trading him. But in the midst of that, I said, I don't think there's much doubt at this point that the hope for improvement right now probably comes in the Blazers not winning. (laughs) Because no matter how much they win, even if they get back above 500, they're going to end up sixth, seventh in the West, maybe in the play-in tournament, perhaps out of the lottery, but not in contention, which is not a lot of improvement. Now, do I think they should win every game to get there? Of course I do. At the same time, is the road to improvement, would it be eased if they actually did lose? Yes, it would, Uh, including short-term improvement. I mean, if they got the number three pick or something in next year's lottery, we'd be smiles and rainbows and unicorns again, right, instantly. So, yeah, I mean, both are true, but I don't think there's any way, any way, that you can talk to the Blazers or especially to Damian Lillard right now about not winning every game they can. You can't talk to C.J. McCollum about that either. I mean, you can't talk to Yusuf Nurkic about that or Robert Covington because guess what? They both need contracts. You going to tell yeah. them to lose? That's a problem.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's. I don't think that's a team that's ever going to do it by choice. And I, I personally like that. I like that about them. I like that they fight, and I like that they, they have that – dame seems to be doing dame things again he uh got a cortisone shot for his injury that he's been dealing with and he seems to the last few games he has been being dame the dame that we're used to and man that's nice because I found that over the the first half of this season or the first half of the first half of the season whatever the first quarter of the season (laughs) Math is not my strength. Um, I found that I I really, really enjoy watching Damian Lillard play like Damian Lillard plays. He's a big part of what I like about this team. And when he's not playing the way that we're used to him playing, it's a bummer. I mean, I, I still like him. I still think he's a great player. I still will support him. I, you know, whatever else. I, I There's a lot of other guys on the team that I also enjoy watching. But, man, is it fun to watch him do what he does. I just think that we forget sometimes because we get to watch him night after night after night, game after game after game. I think we forget how special he really is. And the fact that he can go out and drop 40 points in a game and it barely even, like, phases anybody, um, It's he's really a great player. And so I'm glad to see him doing – Damien Lillard things again. That's very nice. I, I hope he, you know, feels better. It seems like he's starting to or, or does. Um, and I hope we can keep that up because, man, he is just so much fun to watch. He's so much fun to watch. Even in a loss like tonight, it is really fun to watch Damien Lillard play basketball.
1: Absolutely 100% true. I think we can also say, though, that we're beginning to be, and he's beginning to be on a cusp. And I believe he has many good years left. But what's the definition of good? And I will tell you what, like, it's like the first chill in autumn. The winter's not there yet. Not even close. You got a lot of you got plenty of, of warm days and it's going to be 80 again and whatever. But I will tell you what that chill was. For the first time ever, I heard a commentator. And it was a national commentator, a person who talks NBA all the time. Damian Lillard trade was suggested, and he said the team that would have been receiving him doesn't need an aging guard who might not quite be what he was and making so many million dollars. Now, I'm not saying that's accurate. I'm saying that's the first time that's ever been said in in my hearing. Might not be true. But when that is beginning to be said by anyone you know that the times are changing and they are going to change at some point. Two things. First of all, obviously this may affect Portland's future and Portland's future with him and his future. But even more to the point, to the point you just made, enjoy this, enjoy yeah. it when you see it. And uh, irrespective of, of record, he is worth watching when that shot Goes and you know the shot I'm talking about, and increasingly this year, layups too. But when the dame shot goes in, there's nothing like that, and you're not going to see that happen again soon. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you. He is the reason to watch them play every night, no matter what. Other than that, they're just kind of an NBA team uh, who's struggling to find their way, but he makes that. Oatmeal team into a Grand Slam breakfast most days.
0: Yeah, and and that kind of actually segues really well into the comments that he made to the media. Um, this was something that was really interesting. There, after the team beat the Hornets, they did you know the interviews with with media afterwards, and and someone seemed to observe that he appeared to be angry or frustrated and asked him about it. And this was his response. I'm just going to read the response. He said, I'm happy we won the game. That's what we came here to do. I felt happy throughout the game. After the game, in the locker room, I felt happy. But when I come here and I've got to answer questions and I've done so much in my career, you know what I mean? Specifically in Portland, I've given everything. You know what I'm saying? I've never made an excuse. I've never disrespected any of y'all. I've never not given you guys time. And just when our team is going through it and I'm in a little bit of a struggle, I see certain people not giving me that same respect. So that's why I'm a little irritated in here, but with my team, I'm happy we did what we did. So that's that. I just don't, I still come here and give that same time. I just don't appreciate it, man. It'll be handled that way going forward. Um, Those are pretty harsh words coming from Damian Lillard, who has been, you know, given awards for how he interacts with media. Uh, It's pretty harsh words, but I think, you know, he has the right to feel that way and to say it. And I, again, appreciate a person who is going to be straightforward and, and say what he feels. And, and I think sometimes that it's easy for media to forget Just like fans sometimes do, that these are real people with real feelings and they're not you can't just go out there and say what you will about a player, especially in your articles and and on TV and things like that, knowing full well it's going to get back to them and expect it not to affect them. Um, You know, Dame comes out week after week and speaks to the media, but he chooses what to say and how much information to give. And it'll be interesting to see going forward if, if that shifts.
1: Granted, and I want to say clearly that Dame can react however he reacts. As you say, he's a human being. He's allowed to say whatever he wants. There are a few sketchy things about this. You've mentioned both. Well, no, one of them. The one I think probably that we haven't mentioned yet is, ultimately, this doesn't matter. This is not going to substitute for winning. If they're not winning, respect. I mean, I get a basic level of human respect, yes. And respect for what he's done, yes. But I I don't recall reading anyone saying um, Dame doesn't deserve to be treated with respect as a human being or Dame sucks or has sucked or hasn't given. He's clearly the franchise. And he's one of the top two players in the history of the franchise, period. Okay, And I don't know anybody who argues that really strenuously, except for a few Bill Walton supporters who are all like 82. Anyway, no one took that away. But again, this is so part and parcel of Portland's culture. This needs to evolve. You don't win games fighting with the media. You don't win games fighting with the referees. And if you don't win games, people are not going to talk like you won games. You cannot get people and should not get people to say, yay, yippee skippy!" they're 13 and 19. That's really awesome. Just as often as awesome as if they were 19 and 13, right? That is not. That's not professional sports. And that's not why anyone's there in that locker room. No one went in that locker room to go 13 and 19. Now, I'm not saying they're not trying their hardest. I'm not saying there aren't reasons. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying, if you don't win, this doesn't matter. If you do win, this doesn't matter. (laughs) You're wasting your time either way. But the other thing that adds a little barb to it is that increasingly media have become dependent on close relationships with and quotes from players, which is completely in the player's power, okay? To the extent that that is, and by the way, this is an inversion of maybe where it was like 30 years ago. To the extent that the player does have that power, there is something a little sketchy, maybe I want to say unethical, I don't know, about saying, if you do not speak well of me, I will not speak to you. If you do not describe my game or my performance to my liking... I will not provide you the things that will allow you to do your job. Ergo, there should only be media who say what the players want them to say, driving that to its logical conclusion. That's not okay. So, I mean, he does have the right and ability to say that. And in fact, again, I would say his words would be perfect if anyone mentioned the tank word to him. That's exactly what he should have said, in my opinion, and it would be exactly valid because that would be completely disrespectful of who he is, what he's done, and what he's given to be here, and you're saying that the team should basically throw it all away. But no one was saying that by saying, you know what, Dame's performance this year has not been the same as Dame's performance in years past because it hasn't.
0: But I don't think that's what he was getting at. I think Dame can take that. I think, from what I've put together, if you watch that interview, I don't know if I should say names. Should I say names? Do I say names? It's
1: probably dangerous because it's hard to tell who's who.
0: Okay. If you watch that interview, there is a certain reporter that Dame is very short with. He's not that way with the rest. It's pretty easy to pick apart who these comments were pointed at. That being said, if you go back to what that specific reporter has written about him, he's basically said, hey, it's time to trade Dame and move on. And so to me, just what you said is exactly what happened. They're not saying to tank, but he, they are saying, hey, you know, this is even though you've given all this, even though you want to be here, even though you're dedicated, even though you've said you want to be here, it's time to trade you and move on. And I can see, I think that's fair. I think that's exactly what you're saying. Like, that's what he should say if someone were to tell him to tank because it, it negates what he's done here and what he's given to be here and, and whatever. And I think that's essentially the same thing if they're saying, you know, it's time to it's time to trade him and move on from him. And, and, and they're entitled to that. They're entitled to that thought. But you also have to take into account if you're going to say something like that about a player They're not going to be thrilled about it if they're wanting to be there. If if you're Damian Lillard and you're repeatedly having to shut down this narrative that you want, that you should move, that you should be traded to a different team. You know, the national media is doing it. Even some of the local media is doing it. This whole narrative that Dame's time in Portland is done or he should move on or he even the narrative of he deserves better. Like Dame has said, this is where I want to be. I'm not requesting out. I'm not requesting a trade. The team has said Damian Lillard is not available for trade. This is not a topic that should be continued to be beat to death like this. Like it's something that's been asked, asked and answered. Like we have we have talked about this over and over and over. And so to be Damian Lillard, who has said over and over and over, this is this is where I'm at, and who has refuted this over and over and over to have those writers that he has some sort of relationship with, that he's had conversation with, that he obviously has given interviews to and and talked with say, Hey, I think it's time to move on and trade Damian Lillard. Like that's, that's that. How do you not take that personally and how do you not do exactly what he did, which is essentially what you're saying is fair.
1: I can meet you here. I think there's a connection in that, what was said about why dame should be traded and if it's well because dame's slumping right now and he's done i get that now i still don't think that dame should maybe threaten not to talk to people that's again that's part of the relationship (laughs) that's it's part of you know good bad or indifferent unless they're abusive you should probably talk to reporters if you're supposed to talk to reporters and it is it is a sketchy practice already to favor some over others, although I get it, that's okay. But if that goes to the extreme, we're only going to, reporters will just become PR. If We might as well have, just forget it, just, just have PR reps instead of reporters. And we lose something that way. So that, that part I still take issue with. But if, you, if it is said, it is time to trade Dame because Dame is done. And Dame can no longer carry this team. Yeah, I get that. But there are also other reasons, some of which we've talked about. And this is a nuanced topic. And if a person is, if that person is being nuanced about it, look, team's probably not better off trading Dame right now. Uh, Dame's a singular talent. And they will probably go down before they go up. But they're not going up anyway. And the longer we prolong this, the less soon they will go up. And by the way, the farther away Dame will get from a championship. You know what? I would expect Mr. Lillard to be able to hear that, I hope, as as what it is, as an honest analysis, and say, you know what, I might not agree with it, but I can see where you can get there. But those those are two different things. (laughs) We should trade you because you suck, or we should trade you because situationally this isn't a match, and the way the NBA is structured, this isn't going to get more matchy. You know what? A person should be able to say that. We've said that.
0: Yeah, and and a person is allowed to say that. But Dame is also allowed to decide how candid he wants to be. And so, he, you know, if theoretically, it's not like we're sitting down and interviewing players and we're still writing and we're still doing the things that we do. So he, he's still going to do his media availability. He's still going to answer the questions that are given to him, but he gets to choose how much he's willing to say. And to me, I can understand feeling like you were burned in a sense then wanting to draw in and not be quite so candid. I think that's fair. And I think that that's, uh, you know, as a player who's being constantly critiqued on your performance which i get is part of this i get that and i understand that it's needed but i also think like they can write everything we can write i guess we can write anything we want about them theoretically but it's up to them what they give us. And so if he feels like this is not somebody that he can trust with those things or whatever, that's fair. They they are required to sit down and do media availability. They're required to do these these, you know, these interviews that they do. But they get to choose what they put out there. Yep. As they should in my opinion. Sure,
1: it's a fine line though. Because critiquing the performance and critiquing the person for an athlete very quickly melds together. And especially for trailblazers who have traditionally used those two as interchangeable. You know, if you, if you diss us, you know, if you diss the team in any way, you're dissing me personally, and we're going to fight back and we're going to use that as locker room material. I get that that's part of their MO. Okay. But there is a difference between disrespecting a person and critiquing a performance and those, those those there is a line now sometimes it gets murky sometimes it gets gray but it's there if if we say you know Damian Lillard shot 6 of 29 tonight and yeah he scored 20 but he he shot 20% you know what that's not disrespecting Damian Lillard that's evaluating a performance and yeah, but- to say Okay, if Dame came back and said, you know what, here's what you didn't see about this performance, X, Y, and Z. And here's what you didn't see, the guy defending me. And here's what you didn't see, uh, my knee was bothering me. Or here's what you didn't see. There's no one else on this team who's going to be able to take those shots, so it's going to be me either way, and I've earned that right. All cool. But you're 6 of 29. This wasn't the greatest performance. Oh, you disrespected me, so now I'm going to disrespect you. That, that's, a, that's a non-parallel response.
0: Yeah, I just don't feel like he is being disrespectful. I feel like he said it respectfully. He's still doing his job. He's still, He's You know Dane's still going to come out and answer the media. He's still going to come out and talk to the media. I don't think it was a disrespectful response. I think it was an honest response. I think it was a guy who was coming off of something and feeling like he's constantly fighting this fight. And it was an honest response. And you know what? It was a good story.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree it wasn't in a disrespectful style at all. But there was like, there's veiled threats or pushback in there. And again, I haven't read the article, so I don't know. Maybe, again, maybe that was valid. And again, he certainly has the right to say what he says. uh, And he is a human being. He can react however he wants. At the same time, I think there is a caution to this and there is an imbalance to this. And you know what? Actually, here too, we need to consider this in some ways. I'm Far be it for me to say, poor media people or whatever. But there is an old narrative, an old school narrative that says, media people with the pens have all the power and the players are at their mercy. Again, that was true 30 years ago. No longer true at all. No, no. longer true. Because the players all have access. And by the way.
0: Now, now they have their own voices. Like, yes. Yes that wasn't the case but everybody has their own voice now with because of social media
1: when the when it was the other way around media people did have a code of ethics about how you talk about a player and the things you describe and the things you don't describe for instance talk about the game all you want um, leave their personal life out of it most most media people did. And don't do anything that's going to touch their family or anything like that. Now, not all media people did this. I grant it. There are some unethical people. But there was a sense of ethics around it, okay? So a player could be reasonably sure that even if they hated every damn thing a media person said, there was a boundary on that. The power is inverted. I'm not sure we have the ethics that have inverted. And it is, I don't think it's happened, Well, it has happened in some places, but it's certainly possible. If Damian Lillard, or let's not take Lillard, let's leave Lillard out of it, he'd probably never do it. Let's say Player X, super famous Player X, Superstar, Team Superstar X feels disrespected by a media person, what they wrote. Team Superstar X goes on social media and says, this media person really sucks. Nobody should respect anything they say, and they should fall off the face of the earth or something stronger. That media person is exposed at that point. That media person is not only exposed in social media, but also in real life. Because you know the player has that player has a much bigger platform than any single media person does right now, unless you're maybe Stephen A. Smith or Howard Stern or someone. And that kind of lack of proportional response or thought about it, and I'm not saying Dame did this. I'm saying we have to be careful with things like that. Because there are scenarios in which fanatical players, not fanatical players, fanatical followers of players take that farther than anybody intended. And there have been one or two times, now I've not gotten into it, but there have been one or two times where I've been on the very outer perimeter of some of that stuff. Not close, but close where you could see it way off in the distance. And believe me, that was as close as I ever wanted to get. But you knew if that player made a left turn and brought something or that figure uh, made a left turn and brought something there, that their platform was so overwhelming and people so believed in this and people so had a, you know, it's like, you know, doxing is a real possibility. Uh, Comments, you know, just running rampant and stuff like that. All these things are possibilities. So I agree with you, but I also want to offer a little bit of caution, a little bit of ethics, not to, not to dis- defend media people, because I think a lot of them are self-interested, but to say, you know what, we do want to have an eye open for this kind of stuff, and be respectful both directions.
0: Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. I, don't, I think you're right. You know, there are also real-life consequences for the things that are said about people in media, Absolutely. If a player decides they don't like somebody who's in media, at least like you said, that, you know, the people that aren't don't have a huge platform and even some of those, um, if they come after somebody in media. Yeah, absolutely. They can cost them their job. And I'm not at all saying that that's okay either. I was just saying in this specific instance, I feel like it was fair. Um, but yeah, obviously I think on both sides, there needs to be respect. There needs to be respect for each other as human beings, as, as people outside of people doing their jobs, you know, that's essentially what this is. That's essentially what media is. It's essentially what playing basketball is. It's a job at the end of the day. And it it may be a job that we love or that they love, but it's a job. And at the end of the day, there are people that are doing those jobs to make money to feed their families and to take care of, you know, and and pay to live. Um, so absolutely, you never want to do something like that that's going to essentially cost someone their job. I would never argue for that, and I would never say that someone should be treated that way. I definitely think that there should be, you know, a, a code of ethics on both ends, um, and y- you don't see that a lot. And I do think that be- because of social media and the way that it has given everybody their own voice it has dramatically changed the way that media works um and you know that's maybe a conversation for another day but it's it's definitely it's definitely it'll be interesting to watch going forward i have every confidence that dame will continue to be professional he will continue to answer questions he will continue to do what he does because that's who he is he he is professional at the end of the day and i think he's a good guy and i think you know, just like anyone else, it's, it's such a tricky situation because you get these guys coming off of such an adrenaline rush. And then you expect them to sit there and talk about how they feel and what they're thinking and whatever else. And like, there's gotta be a sense in which it's, it's tough to do that unemotionally at times, you know, because they're coming off of either a win or a loss. They're coming off of everything else that's happening. The adrenaline that's building all the stuff that's going on then to sit there and talk to the media, there are going to be times where they're going to be frustrated or they're going to be angry or they're going to be whatever. Like, you, you can't really avoid that. And so um, it'll be interesting. But I, I don't think we'll see much of a change. I think Dame will continue to be professional and will continue to be, you know, what, what we're used to seeing from him.
1: Yeah, I believe that, too.
0: I think the, you know, it's, it's worth mentioning that, that there has, there hasn't been a lot of talk about it, but CJ McCollum is seemingly on the uprise um, as far as his injury goes. He does seem to be getting better. So that's good news. I don't know what, you know, we don't have a timeline for him at all. Just news that he is improving. Um, The only other thing is, you know, the, the NBA 75, the rankings are out there. They're, Um, and, and there've been several different articles about that and things written, but Clyde is being ranked at 43 out of 75. Clyde Drexler is being ranked 43 out of 75, um, which is just kind of a fun little thing. You know, it's wild to think about that, to think about of, of, 75 years of basketball. Um, that's, you know, and, and some years they obviously have more than one name. So it's not even just the best player every year. And. Of 75 years of basketball we had the 43rd ranked player um on the trailblazers and i think that that's always cool it's always cool to see those stories popped popping back up about you know guys that that were on the team in the past
1: yeah i mean and no argument that clyde the glide was fantastic i mean if you didn't see him play night to night it's nearly impossible to appreciate him, other than the dunks. I mean, there are a couple dunks that speak for themselves, but he was so much more than that. He was so dominant in a way that, that Dame is, but Dame has always been dominant in streaks and stretches, and not that he hasn't been dominant other nights. I mean, you don't average 30 points a game. He's, he's averaged more per season than Clyde ever did, okay? I get it. But still, there are nights where Dame is... Dame and winning games. And there are nights when Dame is Dame. And the neat thing about Dame is Dame's low side is like twenty-four points a game and still the best player on the floor. Okay. But Clyde also had that thing where every night, or nearly every night, he would dominate. He'd be like other other players, other teams would game for him and then not even be able to come close to stopping him. What's Clyde want to do? Oh, well, he's gonna go to the lane. Guess what? Glide's in the lane. Damn it. <laughs> like, like you feel like you're parenting a toddler. I literally just told you he was going to do that. Why didn't you stop him? And it's like, oh, I, can't, I can't do it. It's like, that That was something pretty special to watch night to night. And uh, I think, you know, again, he was hurt because he was never, ever the best player in the league in in any of his seasons jordan came and took over just as he rose uh and bird was and magic were leaving you know just as he ascended so uh or declining i should say so yeah he was hurt by the people he was in the shadow of a little bit in terms of absolute rankings but he was still great and 43 seems about right
0: yeah one of the things about clyde that i will always appreciate And I feel like we've talked about this here, but sometimes I can't remember what I've talked to you about and what I've talked to my mom about, (laughs) but like one of the things that um, just made Clyde so great in my opinion is that he was quietly great. You know, Michael Jordan was loudly great, but Clyde, Clyde was really good, but because of, you know, guys like Jordan who, who were so loud about it. He was overshadowed a little bit, but if you watch, if you go back and watch how he played and you watch highlights, you can actually find a lot of those things on YouTube. Um, He was just, he, there's a reason they call him the glide. If you watch that man dunk, it is like, he just sails through the air and it wasn't, you know, I was watching some clips of an old dunk contest um, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't like he was flashy. He wasn't a flashy player, but he was just so, he was such a beautiful player. It was just, he was so graceful and he just made it look so pretty. I don't know how else to say that. Like the glide is a perfect nickname for him because that's literally what he looked like he was doing. Um It's just, there's, there's something, there's something. And I know that I am influenced greatly by the fact that I watched him when I was a child. And that's essentially why I fell in love with the Blazers and with basketball. So there's always going to be that nostalgia there for me with Clyde, but there just is really something special about that man and about his game and the way that he carried himself on and off the court. Um, And so he may be number 43, but in my book, He'll
1: always be number one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if you're of a certain generation, that I think that will tend to remain true, which is why we got to love all those Bill Walton people out there too. Yep, absolutely, and the legion now of Dame people who will right. always you you also will say this and tell your children about Damian Lillard and all he did in the shot and then the other shot.
0: Yeah, I, I. I Said that the other day, I think I even tweeted about it, that Damian Lillard is to my daughter, who Clyde Drexler was to me. Mm-hmm. And this almost makes me emotional just to talk about. But, like, I see how she watches him and how she, you know, cheers for him and looks up to him and, and gets so excited about him. And, you know, she has his jersey and she had, well, you know that, um, you know, she she just loves him. And I think about that and I think I, he, I, I, we were in the car the other day and um, we had read a book about LeBron James at bedtime the night before and, and one of the boys brought it up again and was saying, you know, is, is LeBron James the best basketball player? And I, I just, I said, you know, he's really good. He's one of the best who's ever played, whatever. I gave him the whole line. And I just hear my daughter in the passenger seat go, well, not better than Damian Lillard. And, you know, I just I love that fire in her and just that passion she has already at a young age for for Dame. And I think, you know, I see that I see myself in that. That's how I was with Clyde. You know, I would have defended him till to the death. And I just it that impacted me. And I think about that sometimes that, you know, these days, this team that my kids are growing up watching. My my littlest son is obsessed with CJ McCollum. He is just obsessed and it's, it's, it's so interesting to me to just watch that develop in my own children and recognize what that was for me. And so this, you know, this team will be special for me because of the impact that it's had on my children long after it is the team that it currently is.
1: That's a good reason to follow, a good reason to watch, and a good reason to talk about them every week. So we hope that you will be back with us next week when we will be... Post Christmas, yeah, Christmas will be done. Maybe the Blazers will give us a win against the Brooklyn, not Nets, (laughs) and uh, we'll see. I think there's one more game before we meet again. So there's no way they're going to go two and two, but maybe they can go two and zero. That would be an undefeated week. Would be okay if there's a third game. I'm not real hopeful, but they could go two and zero, especially since Brooklyn won't be fielding anybody. So we will hope for that. And for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. Uh, we hope that your holiday season is merry, no matter what situation you find yourself in. And if it's not, know that we're all connected by the team that we love. And there's always hope for tomorrow for them and for you. And we hope that everybody who's able to has a wonderful holiday season. And we will see you in a week.
0: A hater season opening down the lane moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swat the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast rate the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley. She dances. Boom! Chagalaga! The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the Rookie of the Year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent!